actually on staff. The other nine, I was a volunteer. Um, and uh, moved up here in New England to help my brother-in-law start a church, start a church. He started it in Arlington, Massachusetts. Uh, we're right next to the city. It's been a very interesting journey. You, many of you know this. I've talked to some of you about this here already at the conference, but New England's a different place. Um, there, there's, there's, there's many things I've learned, but the three I want to highlight real quick about New England. Number one, people love Dunkin' Donuts here. Um, number two, sports are everything. Like, Tom Brady is basically a god here. And I'm not going to lie, I don't blame you for that one. And then the final one, and this one's a little weird to me, I've found that up here the letter R is optional. <laughs> I don't fully understand it. Like, so I, work, I, I don't work full-time at the church. I actually work at CVS while I'm, while I'm volunteering for the church. And I was in this class one day, and the lady kept saying, pharmacy. And I was like, what in the world is she saying and I came to realize, I had to ask somebody, what is she saying? Pharmacy. Got it. Like, you guys just take it out of places it belongs and put it places it doesn't belong. Like, it's real interesting. But I, I don't really have any room to talk because I say things like y'all, um, which when you, hear, when, when you say that to people up here, they look at you real funny. Um, so that's, my, that's my, uh, what I've learned so far about New England. Uh, today, our session here is called Volunteers Are Our Gold. And before we jump into this, let's pray so God can bless our time. God, thanks so much for the opportunity to come here and to speak on this topic. I uh, just pray you'd help us all to learn something so that we can, we can apply this to our churches and to our lives to better serve the people that you've entrusted us with. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So every single Monday morning, uh, the team that I got to lead at Church on the Move was the children's team. I had a pretty sizable team. It was, it was an amazing team. I had a lot of fun doing it. I kind of had my dream job. Because in 2001, I moved to Tulsa and interned at the church, and I looked at people that held a position like the one that I got to hold, and I thought I would never be able to do that. Like, I could never reach that level. And then, lo and behold, just 15 years later, I got to hold one of those positions, and it was an amazing honor, and I got to work with some incredible people. And every single Monday morning meeting, we would have our staff, as our staff meeting, our leadership team meeting, and it was all of our staff, all of our interns would come into this, and Every single week, first thing we do is we'd pray, um, and I say that just so you think I'm spiritual. Uh, we, we did really pray, and then, uh, so we pray for our team, we pray for our students, we pray for our leaders, um, and we'd kind of recap the weekend and celebrate what happened over the weekend, how many people came, how many salvations there were, any stories that people heard, things that came up through small groups and different things like that, and then before we really jumped into the rest of our meeting for the day and all the agenda that we wanted to tackle and things that we needed to cover for the day, we would start with this. I would say volunteers are our, and then our team would say gold. And it usually came across a little sleepy like it did right there because y'all weren't ready for it. So I'd do it again. I'd say volunteers are our. Volunteers are our. Like you mean it, people. Volunteers are our. There we go. That's right. Volunteers are our gold. And before I break down what we did to really put some muscle to the skeleton right here, I want to tell you why I'm so passionate about this and why I truly believe that volunteers are our gold. I truly believe that volunteers are our secret sauce. Your volunteers will make or break anything that you do. It was the same thing for us. You see, I think the statistic is that people make a decision if they're coming back to your church within the first 12 minutes of when they get to your church. So in that time, they've interacted with your parking lot team, if you have one, ushers, greeters, maybe kids check in, your worship team. Before the pastor ever sets foot on stage, they've already decided if they're coming back or not. Your volunteers make or break you. Your volunteers are your gold. No matter what area you serve in, because as churches, this is what we do. We don't have staff for every position. We have volunteers, and volunteers are our gold. And you see, I believe this because Jesus, when we, when we, when we get to know him, we realize that we are his most prized possession. We are the thing that he cherishes more than anything else. And what's crazy about it is that he has entrusted you and I to reach his most prized possession. And so it's so important that we do this the right way. And I think one thing in the church world, really in any endeavor, I think it's easy to kind of get caught up in the peripherals and get distracted by things. 
um, I think in the church world, what I've seen really over the past decade, and like I said, I, I'm, I, my wife actually pointed this out to me in a very loving way, that I've been doing ministry now for almost 20 years. Um, I, I literally started when I was 15. I'll be 35 next year. I've been in ministry in some form or fashion for the past 20 years. But really over the past decade, one of the things I've noticed is that churches find themselves so easily getting caught up in what is like sexy church and what's trendy church. Um, and I think, I think one of the problems with this is that we get caught up in like the lights and the smoke and the videos and all of this stuff. And just go with me for a second. I'm not ragging on any of that stuff. I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of that stuff. I think we should do everything in our power to reach people for Jesus. And if that's what it takes, do it and do it with excellence. But don't get distracted for a moment in thinking that that's how your church is going to grow. What Pastor Dino just said was unbelievable. Focusing on the small is so important, and it's easy to lose sight. I think, you know, in marriage, I, I haven't been married for very long. I've been married for a little over six years now. And I'm sure I'm the only one in the room that's ever done this, but I kind of lose sight of my wife for some other things. Like, nothing like weird, um, but just like... Just like my job, like I'm, I'm a workaholic. I love to work. I love to build things. I love to fix things. Not like, like I'm not mechanical at all. Like I'm stupid when it comes to that stuff. But like I love leading teams and building and growing and taking new ground and doing stuff like that. And I, I can get really caught up in that to the point that my wife and two beautiful children start to take a back seat. And I think we do the same thing in the church. We get caught up in the things that seem to matter but they're not really the most important things because we begin to look at what somebody else is doing. And like, like Pastor Dino just said, comparison is acid to our soul. We get caught up in comparison. We lose sight of what's important. This is why I believe with everything inside of me that volunteers are the single most important thing we do in the church. And I'll explain that more. But before I do, let me just ask real quick, how many of you in here, your life was changed because of someone else? Whether it was a parent, a friend, holy cow. Almost every hand is up right now. This is why volunteers are so important. This is why volunteers are our gold is because lives are changed through people. Lives are changed through relationships. So when we develop that small group leader to take it to the next level, we're impacting so many more people. We're increasing our capacity when we pour into volunteers. And I want to encourage everybody today. You, are, you probably already know the things I'm about to say. I'm not going to say anything earth-shattering today. I'm not going to say anything that's going to blow your mind. I'm probably not even going to say anything that's going to evoke a response. But I do want you to know this. If you will make a decision to go all in on your volunteers, and it's one of the toughest things to do because you don't necessarily see the ROI instantly. People are the long game. But if we will take the time to play that long game and go all in on people, the return that we're going to see will be unbelievable. Because we all know the verse Ephesians 4.12, our job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're to equip them to be the church. When, not just when they're serving in one of our classrooms or at the door greeting or passing an offering bucket. We're to equip them to be the church. And when we equip these people, when we go all in on volunteers, our capacity increases to reach more people for Jesus. This is why I believe so strongly that volunteers are our gold. It's absolutely right. They're our gold. So what I'm going to do for the next few minutes is I'm going to walk through kind of our process what our onboarding looked like, what once they were serving, what that looked like, and then once, if somebody was leaving our team, if we were offboarding someone, what did that look like? Um, and I, I kind of just want you to track with me through this because I believe all of this really just boils down to how are you stewarding the people that God has given you? I was talking to my wife about this talk, and she said, you know, if you actually, if people do this thing that you're talking about, you're actually going to have less of a hard time recruiting new people because the ones you have are going to stay and then chances are they're going to bring their friends because like kind attracts like kind. And so what we're going to do first, we're going to run through here. Uh, we'll start with our onboarding. When we're onboarding our people, um, obviously we start off with recruiting. Everybody wants to find the best way to recruit people. And really, I don't even know that there is one. Um, next step seems to be a phenomenal way to do this. Um, but we had many different avenues and, and basically hooks that we would throw out to try to catch people to get them on our team. But before, let's take a step back, before you actually start to recruit, one of the things that we had to identify for our team is that we needed to identify why are we recruiting them? 
Why do we even want them to come? Because we all feel the pressure. We need to open that room. We need to make sure we have enough people to hold babies. We need to have people at the door. We need to have people out in the parking lot. We all feel that. But that's not really a why. That's not a vision that somebody's going to get on board with. And this is something, if you listen to any kind of leadership at all, people tell you to focus on the vision. And this is something that really, it was Kerry Newhoff. I came across some of his stuff. Um, if you don't follow Kerry Newhoff, I highly recommend it. His, his podcast and blog are amazing. But one of the things he really emphasizes for leaders is to stay focused on the why. That our job as leaders is to constantly be focused on the why. And so our why, as we did some digging, we actually came across this book by Reggie Joyner. Reggie Joyner is the guy who started the Orange Movement. Um, it's just some phenomenal stuff. But he wrote this book called It's Just a Phase. And in this book, he, he makes this statement. He shares this statistic that 70%, 70% of church kids will leave the church upon graduating high school. 70%. Seven out of ten kids are going to walk away from the church. But it goes on to say that being connected to one adult outside of their parents cuts that statistic in half. That's our why right there. When you come into one of our kids' environments, you're going to be a small group leader. You're going to be one of those people that's the adult outside of their parents and you're going to help eradicate the 70%. That's a vision we could share. That's a vision that people would get excited about and get on board with. So what is your why? Do you know what it is? I would encourage you to do some digging and figure out what that is. Um, I want to tell you, too, where we did some recruiting from. So we used Next Move, which was our version of Next Steps. It was Church on the Move, so we called it Next Move. That was a fantastic place for us to recruit from. We got a lot of people out of that. Um, and then some of these other ones I hadn't really thought of prior to being in the position that I was in, um, but we did this and actually saw some pretty great success from it. Uh, small groups, our men's breakfast, sections. Um, does anybody do sections at their church? Are you guys familiar with what that is? Okay, so real quick, sections is basically uh, every church is broken into sections, as you see right here. There's three sections in this auditorium. So our church was a big church, so the auditorium seated about 2,500 people. And so each section had a section leader. It was a way to make church on the move that was a really big church feel more of like a medium-sized church. So big church happens on the weekend, then you've got sections within that, and then you've got small groups, which was how we were a small church. Um, so I actually went and talked to, I had friends with a couple of, I was friends with a couple of the section leaders, uh, Johnny and Brian, and I went and talked to them. They both actually had kids in our kids' ministry. I pitched the vision to them. Both of them, without question, were just like, all right, what can we do to help? How can we get you people? And so I was just like, man, if, if you can rally some people and let us talk to them, I'm convinced that they will buy into this vision and they'll sign up to, to volunteer. So we planned a day right after service. We had this little room off on the side. They had about 20 people show up. My friend Sam and I, Sam was the youth pastor at the time. I was a children's pastor. We got up in front of them, shared this vision from them. 18 out of the 20 people signed up. We did the same thing with small groups. We would leverage small group leaders and talk to them. And how can we talk to your small group and get people plugged in? We know we're not going to get everybody, but we do want to get as many people as we can. Uh, the men's breakfast. This is something that actually a volunteer in our church started. Uh, we were able to go and pitch the vision to a bunch of men that were there in the church. Um, and then we actually, I will tell you this, we did have this one like gold mine at our church. We have a Christian school. Um, and we basically had free reign there, and so we could go pitch to these seniors and juniors in high school constantly to get them to come work with us. And we, a lot of our children's ministry was run on juniors and seniors in high school, which don't overlook that because to a kid, just because you're in high school, you're already like a superhero. Um, and so that was a great resource for us. So we would just take that and basically anywhere else that would let one of us come talk and share this vision, and we would recruit people in. And that was just the first step in the process. So know the why and then get busy recruiting. Then um, the next step for me was actually something that as we got into this, um, we found out that we, there were some parts that were broken. So we had all these people sign up, and then like this one story in particular, the person that was over our singers for the kids' ministry he had some people sign up, and uh, I go and meet with him and talk to him about it. And uh, come to find out, he hadn't reached out to them yet. And mind you, this was six to eight weeks after they had signed up. I know, I heard some of you gasp right there. I, I about hit the ceiling. Like, I try my best not to lose my temper and that kind of thing, but I was just like, holy crap, what are you doing? Like, six to eight weeks, you've got this person that said, I'm going to give you my time. 
and you're not getting back with them? So it's just like, all right, calm down, teaching moment. Okay, so in the business world, there's a principle when it comes to sales. You have 72 hours. Once you set an appointment with somebody, you have 72 hours to close the deal. 72 hours. Once you go past that, the odds of you closing that deal plummet. And so I was just like, I think we in the church world can learn something from the business world. So we're going to pull that in here. So we instituted a rule that once someone signs up, you have 72 hours to contact them. And we wanted to do this because we wanted to create a sense of urgency in our team that we're not messing around. We've got to eradicate that 70% and we need people to do it. And if you're not going to get in touch with them, we're missing out in a big way. There's kids' lives at stake here. And so we instituted a 72-hour principle that you have to contact them. Now, people don't always get back immediately, but we're going to do our part. And we actually we implemented a chain where I think it started, there was a phone call, then an email, then a text. And so we just basically spaced this whole thing out so that there was no possible way we're letting you slip through the cracks. You're offering up your time, and we're going to take it. So that was, uh, that was, that was the next step in the, in the onboarding process. Next, once we actually got in touch with them, there was never a high-pressure sales pitch. Somebody talked about this earlier today. I think it was in one of the sessions I was sitting in. That there's, there wasn't really ever a high-pressure sales pitch. It was never sign on the dotted line. We need to get you in here. We need to get you in here now. It was, hey, come check out one of our environments. Just come shadow. Just come check it out. We were positive that if they would just come look, that they would be sold. If they could just see, because I think a lot of times, especially in kids' ministry, it's probably one of the least sexy parts of church. You think you're just doing child care. And it's very much not that. You guys know, like, we're teaching these kids the word. We're in small groups. We're playing games with them. We're having fun. And so we knew if you would just come shadow, you'll sign up. Now, not everybody did, but the vast majority did. We didn't have to put a high-pressure sales pitch on them. So that was the next step in our process. Um, and then the final thing, and this one was really personal to me, is we actually introduced, and it's, it's, it's a very small thing, but we had a little bag for them. Like once they, they shadowed in the room and they're at the background check and all, all that cleared, and they're like, all right, I'm ready to get plugged in. That on their first day when they showed up, we had this little bag for them. And in it was a shirt and a book. The book was called Lead Small which is a phenomenal book about small groups and how to be a great small group leader. And so we had that book in their shirt. where We had shirts for our team so that everybody looked like they were part of the team, and it was very easy to spot one of our workers. Um, and the reason why this was such a big deal to me is I heard Dave Ramsey say this in his book, Entree Leadership. He said, when you decide to be a leader, you have to be prepared to do unto others as you would have them do to you. Now, I know I heard somebody else say this, I'm pretty sure, a while back, um, but I think, I think what's so important about this is I, there were two times, two different jobs that I've had, that the first day that I showed up, my office wasn't ready, there was no computer for me, and my job was completely contingent around a computer. And I remember thinking, did you guys remember I was coming? Like, you're paying me to be here, right? And so this one was extremely important to me because I wanted them to know, just like Pastor Dino was saying, like, we're excited you're here. We were ready for you. We couldn't wait for you to get here. And so this was a, it's just a little thing, but it was something that was extremely, extremely important to me and became extremely important to our team. So that was, a, that in a nutshell, that was kind of our onboarding process. Next is once they're serving. Once they were serving, we, we basically had three things that we ran our volunteers through. Three words, vision, training, and appreciation. Those were the three things that we circled everything around when, when it came to our volunteers and making sure we were treating our volunteers like gold. So with the vision, this is something that gets talked about all the time in leadership, but you got to talk about it all the time. I can't remember what the numbers are. I think Andy Stanley says it's like 27 times that people have to hear it before it actually takes root. Talk about it all the time. We actually had, there was a chalk wall in our offices, and we had that stat that I did, the 70% was, was chalked on our wall in our offices, so our staff saw it all the time. And we took that art and we printed it and gave it to all of our volunteers so that they could see it all the time. 
We talked about it in our pre-service meetings. We talked about it. We actually did three big events a year for our volunteers. One in January, one before the summer, and one in September. This is a time where we bring everybody together and basically throw these big parties. And the first one of the year in January, we just cast a vision. This is where, this is what happened in the last year. This is where we're going in the upcoming year. We just shared the vision with them. We want them to be on the inside, making sure they feel important, that they're a part of what we're doing. Uh, the next one was in uh, uh, May, Mayish, April, May, somewhere in there. Um, that one we do training, and I'll talk about that one here in just a second, and then the final one in September. But we do these three big events a year, and then in those, we made sure that we are casting the vision constantly. We are here to eradicate the 70%. We are here to reach these kids for Jesus constantly, and the importance of the small group leader. We made that to be the biggest part. Then we move on to the training piece. And when it comes to training, this is something, if you read any leadership book, you've probably heard this at some point or another, that when you give something to someone else, when you delegate something to someone else, they will never do it more than 85% of how you would do it. Now, Craig Rochelle actually goes on to say that if they would do it at 50% of what you would do it, give it to them. And if you know anything about Life Church, they are freaks at training up leaders. Um, they've, they're preaching like a million people a week, and it's crazy. But this is one thing that our team kind of broke that down to say, and it's, it's probably a little crass, but our, our mantra was embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. We know it's not going to be very good for a while when we give it away, but that's okay. That's okay because, number one, we're children's ministry. It's a little more forgiving there. We did not forgo excellence for this, mind you. We had very clear systems for all of our communicators, our singers, our production people, we had a very tiered structure where there were stair steps. They didn't go straight from off the street to preaching a message the next weekend. But embrace the suck. Realize that people aren't going to do it as well as you're going to do it, and that is okay. Embrace it because you know what? There's always next week, and it's an opportunity for you to grow and get better. Um, so some training things that we did, some just real brass tacks things we did. We actually started a podcast. I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. I love finding new podcasts. I love Chris Gepner's podcast. Um, he actually came and did an interview on my podcast. It'll be releasing soon. You need to check it out. It's called the Leadership Podcast. I love podcasts. So we actually started one just for our volunteers. We made it public. Anybody could access it, but it was specifically designed for our volunteers, and here's why. So often in the past, the way we did training events was, you guys come to us. You guys come to our building. You guys give up another night of your week, and you come to us. Give up some more of your time, your already valuable time, and you come to us, and we're going to tell you how to do things. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. We didn't completely abandon that. Like I said, we did three of those a year. But what we did change to was doing things like this podcast, we're able to go to them. We're able to have training materials available to them that they can access anytime. They're able to redeem the drive to work now rather than listening to music or just sitting in silence. They're able to throw on this podcast and hear about how we're doing small groups and what we're striving for with our small groups. We're able to use this as a training tool. Now, I will tell you, I believe since I left, they actually stopped doing it. I was, I was really the one spearheading that. Um, but I would say I think there's a lot of value in it. Um, I think it's a really great opportunity, and it's very easy to start a podcast, very easy to start a podcast, and it's an opportunity for you to go to them, and we just did a once-a-month little session. It was like 15, 20 minutes, and we capped it at that because we wanted to be respectful of their time. Um, next thing is pre-service meetings. You guys probably, you guys and gals are already probably doing this, but it's a great opportunity to give a little training nugget, something that everybody can work on for this weekend. Hey, everybody, really what we're focusing on this weekend is we want to be more engaged in our small groups. Make sure you're not checking your phone. Make sure you're really engaged in what these kids are saying. So that's the one thing we're going to work on this week is just being engaged in small group. That's it. But the pre-service meeting is a great opportunity for us to do that. We would do, it was 45 minutes before the service starts. That's when our pre-service meeting was. And then doors would open 30 minutes beforehand. And so we had about a 15-minute meeting. We'd just go over the service, what's going on for the day, and then give everybody a challenge. Um, in addition to that, uh, kind of back to the podcast idea, we actually created a ton of videos to send out to people. Very brief videos. Um, but we did this for our singers. Um, our Kenneth, our, our worship pastor at the time, he actually created this really great training curriculum all around worship. 
and the, the whole mindset behind this was to give a brief, just a nugget of information, and then an action step of something you can apply this weekend to get better in your position. We did this for our singers. We did this for our communicators. Um, we actually did a, another form of video for our volunteers um, every week because one thing we noticed is that as a volunteer, you would show up, and in that pre-service meeting, you find out what's going on for the weekend, but prior to that, you didn't really know what was going on for the weekend. And so we started out sending out a little two-minute video every week. It would go out every, uh, I think it was every Thursday or Friday. And it was just a two-minute video of, hey, here's what's coming up this weekend. And it was just to, to get them on the inside. Here's the inside scoop is essentially what it was to let you know what's going on. One other thing that we would do is uh, once a month, we did a service director lunch. So the way our volunteers were structured, from this was from birth through high school. We did three services at our main campus on the weekend. We had two satellite campuses, and they each did two services on the weekend. So every service at every room, there, was, there were three positions in every class. You had a small group leader, small group coach, and a service director. The service director was a volunteer position in which they oversaw all the other volunteers in that service for that class. And so once a month, we would do a, a service director lunch where we would bring in and invite all the service directors from all campuses. We'd feed them lunch. It usually wasn't anything very expensive. And we'd just share the vision with them. And we'd train them. We'd use it as an opportunity of here's how you can lead your team better. We'd talk about things like, hey, when someone comes into your room and asks where something is at the church, please don't just point. Walk them to where it is. Take them to it. It's okay if you leave your post as long as it's covered. Make sure you actually walk them to where it is. And we would just share these little things month after month after month to pour into our people and to train them to what we were striving for and looking for. Uh, I did say we would do the, in like April or May, we'd do a big night where we'd invite all of our, our uh, volunteers out to the church, and the whole night would be focused around training. There'd be a little bit of vision, and we'd break up into our separate environments from nursery to preschool to elementary and middle school, and we'd go over some type of training material on these nights of this is what we're striving for over these next couple of months. This is what we're going to be doing. Another thing we would do is weekly feedback. Anybody know who Jack Welch is? Everybody, anybody? Okay, Jack Welch is considered one of the greatest CEOs of all time. Whether you agree with that or not, that's fine. Um, he wrote this book called Winning, and I highly recommend it. His approach to business is outstanding. Um, he was the CEO of GE. Um, GE owns NBC. Under his reign, the show's Friends and Seinfeld came out. That's a little bit of the work that he did. He didn't actually work on those shows. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is the importance of candor. The importance of candor. And he actually says that most people are afraid of candor, and it's because of selfish reasons. They're afraid to be candor, candid with someone because it's of how it's going to make me feel. I don't want to be uncomfortable when I tell them. So rather than being uncomfortable, I just won't tell them. But let me ask you guys a question. If you had a booger hanging out of your nose, would you want somebody to tell you? You're all laughing, but I'm serious. Chris, literally, right before this, just told me, he's like, I got chocolate on my face, I got a booger hand on my nose. Like, I don't want to walk into it. Like, seriously, how many of you want somebody to tell you you got a booger hand on your nose? Absolutely. Those of you that don't have your hand up, you're lying. But he talks about the importance of candor, that we need to be candid with people. That's how we get better, is when people are honest with us. Now, I will tell you, up here in the Northeast, you guys are very honest, brutally honest. <laughs> In the Midwest, people are nice to your face. They'll talk about you behind your back. You guys will just say it to your face. But that's a good quality to have. Be candid with your team. Give weekly feedback. This is how we're going to get better. But in return, you need to let your team give you feedback. Because they see things that you don't see. They're solving problems that you don't even know exist. Be candid and allow them to, to do the same. Now, we did put a little caveat on that. For us at Kids on the Move, it was candor with kindness. Candor with kindness. We're going to be nice about it. We're going to honor, but we are going to be candid. We're going to speak the truth. Give that feedback. When we have a communicator come off stage, they're very vulnerable at that moment. But we, that was a great coaching opportunity. The first question we would ask is, how do you think you did? Because you know what? They're going to critique themselves much harder than I am. But our team knew, because I was a volunteer communicator at one time, and I remember getting up on this stage, and I'd have two people watching me, and they would give me all this feedback, and basically give me a script to say. And I remember one time just thinking, like, 
do you want to just switch places? Like, I feel like you know what you want up here. Do you want to just come do this? But we, we eliminated all of that, and we told all of our team, when you give feedback, you give them one thing to work on. And that's it. One thing. It's a Malcolm Gladwell principle. I can't remember what book he wrote about this in, but he talks about, especially here in America, that when we want to make change, we want to turn everything around overnight. We want to be 50% better tomorrow. But it doesn't work like that. We all know it. It's a scriptural principle that it's in steps and stages. And so it's all based on this. And Malcolm Gladwell presented the idea that what if, rather than trying to be 50% better by tomorrow, what if we tried to be 1% better by the end of the week? Now, that's a lot more doable. That's a lot more achievable. It's a lot more stomachable. And so when that communicator would come off stage, we'd tell him, you did great. Here's one thing I think you could work on. I think your energy could be a little bit higher because, you see, the crowd's energy will never surpass you. They'll always be where you are or lower. So I think for next week, I want you to bring your energy up. I want you to be a bigger version of you. You really got to sell it. And then we'd leave it at that. I wouldn't talk about how weird their body language was. I wouldn't talk about how they were pacing back and forth feverishly. I wouldn't talk about how they were dripping with sweat. I wouldn't talk about any of that. I just want you to work on your energy. Just bring that up. And week after week after week, we were in it for the long game. I didn't care if you were the best communicator by next week. I wanted you to be a great communicator five years from now. Because I actually viewed the kids' ministry as the pipeline for the whole church. I can't tell you how many people in our church that are in leadership now, or the church I came from, started in kids or youth. Mo Christmas is a great example of this. He was the youth pastor at International Family Church, and you have just become the, the guest services pastor. Came from youth ministry and is now working in adult ministry. Kids and youth is the pipeline for the church. Stop looking for this pool of leaders out there somewhere. They're in your church right now. Pour into them. Preaching myself into a frenzy right now. Uh, one thing that we did also was, in addition to the feedback, is we actually started doing, um, I'm not going to shy away from this. I had a healthy budget there, and I know there's a lot of churches where, like, especially in kids and youth, there's not much of a budget. For our size, it was okay, but it was a, it was a good budget. But I, I will tell you this. What I talked about just a minute ago, it's easy to get distracted by all the peripherals. We did this very thing. We had this big series coming up. It was called Unstoppable. Really fun series. It was all themed around superheroes, Iron Man, Thor, Batman, Superman, the Hulk. Um, it was awesome. We went crazy on it. We decked the rooms out. We had these cityscapes painted on the back walls to look like Gotham City. We had, uh, there were chalk walls in every room. We had the, the, uh, the characters actually chalked onto the walls. And we kind of did it like at the movie style. So we were, our messages were all centered around like the Avenger movies. So it was awesome. Like, it was, it was killer. We had these amazing, like, these vinyl banners printed. It was awesome. And then at the end of the series, we looked back over the course of it, and we realized we had spent five grand on decor for our rooms. And this is across three campuses, and that's, I can't remember how many different environments that is. We, this is probably the most we ever spent on that. But we looked back, and we realized we had spent zero on small groups. That sucks. That was a terrible oversight on my part. Five grand on decor and we invested nothing into the kids? And where I'm going with this is that it is easy to get distracted by those peripherals, but I actually had a conversation with this guy. His name's Frank Beeler. He used to be the family ministries pastor at Stephen Furtick's church. Amazing dude. He's got his own podcast now. It's another podcast I'd recommend you check out. Um, but we were talking one time and he said, he said, if we say we're about small groups, is it represented in everything that we do? And I think that idea can apply to anything. If we say we're about volunteers, is it represented in everything that we do? And it was at that moment that we began to shift where our budget was going to go. And we actually gave every room director, so we had a kindergarten and first grade pastor, second and third grade pastor, fourth and fifth grade pastor. Each one of them had a budget just for volunteers. We're going to invest in this. And please understand, if you're not dealing with a great budget, that's okay because it's not about the money. Time trumps money. Just know that. Time is way more valuable than money. 
And so we made it a point that you're going to go and spend time with your volunteers outside of Sunday. You're going to go have lunch with them. You're going to go have coffee for them, with them, not for them. You're going to spend time with your volunteers. Throw parties for them. Do whatever you want. Get creative with it, but spend time with your volunteers. Invest in them. We have to do this because volunteers are our Next thing is this, and this is actually a principle I've learned pretty heavily from CVS. CVS is really big on making sure that people know what opportunities are out in front of them. So do your people know what opportunities are out in front of them? Or do they think that when they signed up that they're stuck greeting at the door from now until Jesus comes back? Like that's a pretty daunting task. If you think about it, like if there's no off-ramp, if there's no... If there's no sign of being able to do something else, if I don't know that there's other leadership opportunities out there for me, that can be really, really discouraging. So what we did, I'm going to go over this really fast. I'm running out of time. I'm hoping to leave some time for Q&A. Paul, do I have 26 minutes or is that right? 21. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to fly through this. So what we did is we, the way we structured all of our uh, volunteer teams is we broke it down into three positions. I think when I got there, there were like 10 or 11. Way too many options. Um, so we scaled it back, and we were down to three options. So you could be a small group leader, small group coach, or a service director. I went over this a little bit earlier. Now, each one of those positions had an assistant position where they were being trained to take that position. So like a small group leader was somebody that oversaw a group of kids. A small group coach oversaw a group of small group leaders. And then the service director is the one that oversaw the entire service. And we went with that language in particular because then the staff person that oversaw that room would have been the first and second grade director, and then you had the family ministries director, so on and so forth. Um, with our singers, our singers didn't just start out leading, leading worship even for kids. They started out as a backup dancer with no mic in their hand. Then they would become a backup singer. Then they would start leading. Same thing for our communicators. Our communicators would actually start off stage helping co-host a game. When we're going to put a mic in anybody's hand, we're going to be real careful with that. So they would actually start out in the audience co-hosting a game with someone else carrying the, more of the full weight of this. And it, the whole purpose of it was so they could get comfortable holding a microphone, hearing their voice come through the speakers and not thinking it's weird. And then they would go from there. Then they could start telling a Bible story or maybe doing the offering talk. And then the final step that they would do is that then they could actually start doing the message. And then actually after I left, the team added another position, which I think is amazing, and they added actually a volunteer position to train other communicators. I, the, the list can go on and on, but basically with this, what we did is we gave people the opportunity to know there's more out there. And our team knew, I don't know about your church, but at our church, the way it used to be, was it was a little bit territorial. It was like, you don't talk to my volunteers, I won't talk to your volunteers, and we'll all go along with our merry happy day. Now, I hope your church isn't like that because we're here to steward these people. They're not ours. And so, thank you. They're not ours, and so it's important, and this is one thing that we drove into our team is that we're going to hold them with open hands. They're not ours to begin with. We want to train them up and give them everything we possibly can while they're with us. But if they leave our church and go to another church or go to another department within the church, hopefully we've given them something that they can take with them to use. And that was really our whole purpose. We wanted to train people up so that when the church needed somebody, and when I say that, I mean the capital C church, when they needed somebody, they could go. And through this program, I don't say this to brag, I just tell you this to say it works. Our communicating team went from eight volunteers to 50. Our singing team went from eight to 45. We started a production team from scratch. It went from zero to 30. And let me tell you, our production team was mostly seventh graders, and they were awesome. Like, I'm not even playing. They were awesome. In our context, they did a phenomenal job. We have this one kid, his name's Elijah Chiali, unbelievable kid. He built an app for our website just for fun. Um, but anyways, we gave people an opportunity and to allow them to know that there's something else out there, even other departments at the church or other churches, it didn't matter. We wanted to give you whatever we possibly could while you're in our care. 
And I believe it's so important to do this, the vision piece, the training piece, because volunteers are our. The final piece was appreciation. Once they were on our team, I wanted to appreciate the crap. That's gross. I wanted to appreciate them so much for being there. Do you ever think about the things you say and you're just like, what on earth? We wanted to appreciate them. Because I had been the volunteer where you serve and you serve and you serve and you give and you give and you give. And not, you're, not that you're doing it for a thank you. But how many of you know it's, it's appreciated when you get one? Would anybody in here say, you know what, I've had too much encouragement this week. Please, no, no, really, stop. Too much encouragement. No, you can never have enough. So we drove this into our team. We would do things just as simple as send a text to say thank you. Look for things to call people out on, not just the bad things, but the good things too. Say, hey, I noticed you did this this weekend. Thank you. Phone calls. I would do this thing where I would take out my phone and record a little video. It was so stupid. Very, very embarrassing. But record a little video just encouraging someone and then send it to them. They hold on to this stuff. We all love being encouraged, so take the time to do it. These are all things that are free, but we completely overlook them. One thing I encouraged our team to do was thank you notes. How many of y'all like getting the mail? Nobody. <laughs> very few. Very few. It's very, very rare that you get good stuff. It's either junk mail, junk mail or bills for the most part, right? So when you get something nice in the mail, it stands out. You become, as, purple, or as uh, Seth Godin would say, you become a purple cow. Look for those opportunities. Write a little thank you note and drop it in the mail. People rarely get something like that in the mail to begin with. In fact, one Easter we did this. So I think we had like 12 services or something like that. And we had some volunteers that had served two, three, four, even five of the services. And so what we did that next Monday or Tuesday, whatever our next day in the office was, we stopped everything we were doing, the whole team went into the conference room, and we literally wrote thank you notes for like an hour. Just saying, hey, I noticed you served three services this weekend. This was the result of this weekend. This is how many people got saved. This is how many kids got saved. You made that happen. Thank you. Thank you for giving up your time to do this. It goes a long way. We had volunteers come up to some of our team in tears, just saying, no one's ever said that to me before. I've, I've served, I've done this at multiple Easter's, and no one's ever said that to me before. Thank you. It's the little things. One Valentine's Day, our preschool director went around. She had this uh, box. She bought these. You can get them, I think, anywhere, like Walmart. You buy a bag of Ghirardelli chocolates, the little individual squares. She had a bunch of them dumped in the box. She just went around giving them to people, just saying, hey, it's Valentine's Day. We love you. <laughs> You would be blown away at how much that 25-cent piece of chocolate just made people's day. It's the little things. Um, one of the other things we did, um, there were two other things that we did that were a couple of my favorites of all the things that we did. One of them was we did, I called it monthly systematic appreciation, which is the worst name ever. Uh, but I didn't have anything better. And it was just that. Happened every month, and it was systematic. We had somebody that oversaw this. And what we did is that Every room leader would pick two people from each service, and we'd get them just a little something. Like one of the little somethings we got them was we had a, a there was a, a cookie shop in our town called Barbie Cookies, amazing cookies. We'd buy a ton of them, and we'd give each person one. We'd put it in a little clear plastic clamshell case, wrap a bow around it, and then give them a personalized thank you card saying thank you for serving. This is what I've noticed about you, your leadership ability, your, the way you interact with these kids. They look up to you. They admire you. And we'd pull them into a special room. I'm sure they thought they were getting in trouble when we'd pull them in there. And we'd give them this. Some of them walked out just kind of like, oh, what just happened? Um, but some of them, like, literally, like, just tears welling up in their eyes that someone would be grateful for what they're doing. And we just basically put this on the calendar so we wouldn't forget to do it. It was a very small part of our budget. We, we had a coffee shop at our church. We'd give them a ticket to the coffee shop. Things like that. It wasn't anything too crazy. And then one of the other things that we got started towards the, towards the end of my time there was actually called the favorite things list. And what we did, you can create a, a form on Google. Um, it's completely free. And basically, we just ask them some questions. We'd, we'd ask for their name, their birth date, their, their anniversary if they had one, 
and then we'd go through things like your favorite drink at Sonic. Up here, I guess it'd be Duncan. Um, you do things like, uh, what's your favorite Starbucks drink? What's your favorite candy? What's your favorite snack? And so when they hit submit on that form, it dumps all the information into one spreadsheet. So you have all your volunteers broken out in, by spreadsheet. You can do it by service. You can do it by class. It's amazing. And it collects all this information. And then we would take this and we'd surprise them with something at work. We actually go to their job and drop off a Starbucks drink or a Sonic drink or some candy or a snack or something like that and just say thanks. We didn't stick around. We didn't hang out or try to compromise their time. But it does two things. How many of you, if you send your wife or your husband or your significant other flowers, how many of you send it to the house versus the office? Which one are you going to get better credit for? The office. Because other people are going to see it and they're going to get jealous. And so that's what we were striving for. And then when they, people ask, like, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, my church brought it to me. That was one of my favorites. Um, and then uh, we'd, we'd do a big blowout every year in September that was just a night of appreciation. We'd have food. We'd play games. We'd give away prizes. It was awesome. And literally, especially on the appreciation night, we'd say, bring the whole family. Even if they don't serve here, even if they don't serve with our team, bring them out. Bring the wife. Bring the husband. Bring the kids. Just bring them. We're just going to party out here. And it was all just to say thanks. We just want to recognize you. This is all about you because of everything that you do. And just know that it doesn't have to be a lot of money to do this. You can take people to a park and celebrate them. There are tons of things you can do at very little or no cost. So that's once they were on board. Extremely passionate about this. I love volunteers because volunteers are our offboarding. So we've talked about onboarding. We've talked about when they're serving. But what about when they leave? This is always a really awkward topic, and to be honest with you, this was something we didn't do well for a very long time, and honestly, even by the time I left, I still wouldn't say that we were great at it, but anytime someone would come to us and say, hey, I, I, I'm thinking about stepping down, one thing that we taught our team to do is, first off, don't take that as the final answer. Push on it. Oh, so why, why is it that you're leaving? And as you begin to dig, you may find out that they just don't fully understand the vision. Or maybe they just haven't really grasped it yet because we haven't said it enough. Or maybe they don't fully understand what's expected of them. Maybe they don't have enough responsibilities so they're getting bored. What opportunities do we have for you? And so we dig a little bit deeper to find out, had we done our part to make sure you're equipped to do what you need to do, is that the reason you're leaving? Is because, because we haven't done our part? Because if that's the case, we can fix that. And let me just tell you, we actually had some success here. We didn't keep everybody, but there were some people that came to us to quit and ended up going on to become some of our best communicators, service directors, just some amazing volunteers that we have. And it was because we were willing to push back on them. Did it in a respectful way. Um, the next question we would ask is, can we get you plugged in somewhere else? Do you need, is it, is it truly that you need time away or is it that, like, this just isn't your jam anymore? Like, we need to get you plugged in with adults. We need to get you out in the parking lot. We need to get you singing or something. Can we get you somewhere else? Can we hand you off somewhere else? We're not going to be mad at you. We're going to celebrate you out. But can we, can we get you plugged in somewhere else so we don't lose you? Because we learned this actually from Elevation that sometimes what happens when you don't have those off-ramps that people quit volunteering, but then they feel awkward because they're no longer a part of the team, and it's somewhat self-imposed, but because of that awkwardness, it begins to grow, and they kind of feel like uncomfortable at church, and it gets weird, and they end up actually leaving the church. We've got to make sure that we've put processes in place to make sure that doesn't happen. We've got to make sure that there's an off-ramp for them, and that we're going to help them find it. And then if it comes down to it that they need to go, then you know what? We're going to celebrate you out. As best we can, as long as there wasn't something weird that happened, we are going to celebrate you out. We had one story where this happened. There was a, a couple that was volunteering in our kindergarten and first grade class. And they moved. I can't remember where they moved. I want to say it was like North Carolina or something like that. It doesn't really matter. They left. We celebrated them out, got them a little gift. It wasn't anything too crazy. They moved. And a couple months later, they emailed Matthew, who was, their, uh, who was overseeing that room, and just said, thank you for everything you did for us. We got plugged into a church here, and we're able to make change because of the things we learned there. 
to me, that was a huge win because we had given them everything we could. And even though they didn't stick with us, they were still having a positive impact on the Capital C Church. That's a huge win. Make time to celebrate them. So that's essentially it. I believe if we will go all in on people, we will see bigger rewards. We're opening doors for more people to receive Christ when we do this. I believe the volunteers are hands down the most important thing that we do because volunteers are our absolutely right. That's all I got for you. Um, if you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer them as best I can. And if you would, if you do have any questions, raise your hand and one of these guys with a microphone will stop by because uh, this is being recorded. They want to capture it. This gentleman right here. How do you push back on people when sometimes, a lot of times, the way they do it is in a way that you can't push back, which is through text. So mm. how do you push back there? Can we get together and talk about this? Make them go face-to-face. -face. That's, that's off the top of the head. I mean, that text, that's one thing that text sucks. Because you're right. Like, how do you fight that? But if they're not, like, if, unless they're, like, quitting right at that moment, like, you'll see them at church again. And, and you can push back. You're not always going to win. We didn't win every time. But we're at least going to have the conversation. Yes, sir. Good afternoon. Quick question is, how do you onboard the new believer that's still working on that sanctification? Like, let's say a person that just got saved but still struggles with smoking or something of that nature. Chris, do you want to answer that? <laughs> um, that's a great question. So in the Midwest, I do think this is something that's a little bit different. We actually had an honor code that they had to sign to, to volunteer. I think they're adjusting it now. But you actually committed to no, no drugs, no drinking, no smoking, um, no illicit sex, no pornography. Um, because you're a role model for a kid, we're going to hold you to a higher standard. We don't want you, um, now whatever your church believes on drinking, I'm not trying to get into a debate on that. But at least where we were, and I think part of it went back to our, my pastor's upbringing. He had a horrible experience with alcohol and his parents. And so uh, I think that was a big part of it. Um, but that's what we held our people to was if you're going to volunteer for kids. And, and if you want to continue to do that, hey, no problem. That's your prerogative. We're just going to help you find somewhere else to serve. All right. Hey, thank you all so much for coming. Hope you got something out of it. We'll see you later.